0: In February 2011, Billy Jordan was working for the Christchurch New Zealand City Council when a major earthquake struck the city. She was injured in the quake and she witnessed the death of others around her. But after surviving the earthquake and an abusive childhood, Billy decided it was time to make a radical change in her life. She moved to a small island and founded the hip operation Dance Academy, which is tailored for people in their senior years. Billy and her dance company are showcased in the award-winning documentary Hip Operation*, which follows 27 senior citizens who Billy trained, managed and cared for on the road to their competing at the 2013 World Hip Hop Championships in Las Vegas, Nevada. In 2014, the documentary was released to wide acclaim and the following year, Billy won the Kiwi Bank New Zealander of the Year award in the Local Hero category. In June of 2016, she was awarded the member of the New Zealand Order of Merit by Her Majesty the Queen. Folks, hang on to your hats because Billy Jordan is here to share her amazing, life-affirming journey. She joins us from Waihiki Island off the east coast of Auckland, New Zealand. Billy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a real privilege. It's, it's great to talk to you. Let's start with your telling us a little bit about your life before you moved to the island. I know you have a background in public relations and marketing. What was your day-to-day life like back in 2011?
1: I had just moved to Christchurch where the earthquake was about six weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. And I bought a house about three days before the earthquake, which of course was the end of my life savings. And... So I was just working in PR and marketing all my life. I had been a consultant to the government in New Zealand for about nine years in public relations, and so I was doing a lot of work that was, you know, shallow really, <laughs> and very <laughs> and and meaningless. So I got a job with the local council, which, you know, wasn't my dream job. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the earthquake struck, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm not just going to die now. I'm going to be, oh, the ex-council worker died in an earthquake. Oh, and that's on that's that's my tombstone. I thought, oh, my gosh, if this is it. So I felt like there was more I could be doing in my life than what I was doing. And I'm extremely privileged to survive because about... 200 people just meters from me, uh, they were crushed to death or burnt alive. And you saw that? that. Yeah, I mean, and I already had post-traumatic stress disorder from a, you know, a very abusive childhood with both parents, and um, Mm. it really just re-triggered it. So Uh my fear of being killed sort of, you know, returned stronger than ever. And then about a week after the earthquake, you know, I, I became homeless. I was you know, there was just nowhere for me to go. Yeah. And I also had a little a little dog, and so oh. you couldn't go into a welfare centre uh, with a dog. So I, I thought, well, I'll just get out of here. And New Zealand split into three different islands. And so I wanted to get off the island I was on, which was the South Island. Mm-hmm. And I moved to the North Island, and then that still didn't feel safe enough. So I moved to this little little dot of an island just off the east coast of Auckland.
0: And that's Waiheke, where yeah. you are now, eh?
1: Yeah, I mean, the tallest building, there's one building that's two stories high. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, a lot of the roads are dirt. Uh, there's no traffic lights. We get our water from our roof, you know, and that dribbles wow. into a tank, and then we pump it into the house.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: so so there's not, I mean, there's a few footpaths and stuff, but I mean, it's it's very much back in the 50s. You know, there's horses that go around on the beach, and wow. you, you don't lock your door, I think I... I mm. found my front door key about two years ago, so, <laughs> um, I so, uh, but I, I haven't used it. I haven't used it for maybe about eighteen months. So it's very safe and very sort of yeah. I mean, it's safe in lots of ways. So <laughs> and you can't. What it's a culture shock,
0: though, for you. eh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's lots of bits of New Zealand that are like that. That are still right. Very, you know, right. very old-fashioned. So we're, you know, very privileged. To be in a country where that sort of lifestyle is accessible.
0: Uh, so, when you moved to the island, did you have any idea that you would start a dance academy for seniors? I mean, <laughs> tell us how. Tell us how that came about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know it's so random, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I, I didn't, you know, know anyone. I didn't have a job, and everybody in my age group—I'm forty-seven. You know, they were off working and everything. So, the only people I sort of met around the show were senior citizens. Mm. And I noticed that, like me, they couldn't really see a future. You know, I expected to be killed at any second mm. and that there was no point in planning a future because I was going to die and that, um, you know, I was so traumatized. And then I found that they were the same as me. You know, they weren't planning for long futures. They thought the best times in their life were behind them. Mm. And then the next big event in their life was dying And they felt, there was a lot of them that felt, you know, isolated. Um, A lot of them felt depressed. So I really identified with that. And I thought, well, is this it? And obviously, I, you know, you do feel hugely guilty. It's a normal response Mm -hmm. when you survive something and other people don't. And I thought, gosh, those people that didn't make it would give anything to be in my shoes. So maybe I should make the most of it. And maybe we should just all go out dancing if that's how we're, you
2: Mm -hmm. know, going to
1: live. But, of course, I didn't know how to dance. So <laughs> so, uh, so, what I did is I thought, well, I'd seen all these flash mobs, and I thought they're so life-affirming and so much fun. I thought I'll set up the world's oldest flash mob to get my elderly neighbors out of their houses, onto the street and dancing. Mm-hmm. So, I, Can you
0: explain what a flash mob is for people who don't know who are listening to this? Yeah,
1: a flash mob has got three components uh, to it. It's a surprise dance performance. So what happens first is one person just starts dancing in public mm-hmm. and then others, you know, it's obviously rehearsed behind the scenes.
2: Mm-hmm. Others
1: seem to randomly come and join <laughs> right. that person. Mm-hmm. So there's that element of surprise. The second component is that they all dance the same coordinated moves. So uh, it looks like, you know, well, everybody's a better dancer than they are, but, because mm-hmm. you know, you're rehearsing it behind closed doors, and so then you can get hundreds of people all just joining in from this one-person dancing. So th- and then the third element is that after you finish that dance, uh, you just leave, you walk off. Uh-huh. Um, and that's one of the most crucial parts of a flash mob. You don't hang around for gratification and thank yous, and uh-huh. uh, you just leave. So it just gives that sort of random happiness that life can just be fantastic at any given moment and then disappear. So I just drove around the island in in my black van, looking for anyone age 65 and over, and uh, I wasn't sure where old people really lived or what you know like where they hung out. So I went to the Return Servicemen Association and put up flyers in the medical centres, and mm-hmm. I knocked on doors and went to the retirement village and talked to them and went to different clubs and talked to them. And then I went to any of those houses, you know, where there's like potted plants and those um, you know, archways, plastic uh-huh. archways and dwarfs.
0: A dead giveaway if there ever was one.
1: Yeah, I thought <laughs> that's what I thought. They were I mean I was right, you know, half of the time but
0: uh, Reaffirming half the time your own honest, age of stereotypes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Terrible stereotypes. Well we've all and, got them well yeah I mean I didn't really know much about Old people, and uh, so, and then I went to a local craft shop because I realised they sold balls of wool, and in my mind, balls of wool are like catnip for old people. <laughs> so this was my, you know, is yes, terribly stereotypical idea. So I went there, and then um, they didn't have any old people for me in the <laughs> shop. I gave them my details, and I was just about to drive away and the shopkeeper came running out with a local church deacon by his collar, 92-year-old, and she goes, I got one, I got one. <laughs>
2: wow.
1: Uh, so I ended up by getting 80 of them.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, which is quite a fair chunk given the size of the island. And then basically they did, you know, they did flash mob performances around the island, and we went, you know, on the boat over to Auckland. Uh, Auckland's got a population of about... I know one, 1. 1.5 million, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. it's a big contrast. But you can get mm-hmm. there by boat by 45 minutes mm-hmm. over the ocean, so it's accessible. So we did stuff there, but, and once I was sort of becoming more ingrained in their lives uh, over the months that we did this, I noticed how other people in their family and their friends sort of treated them, and, and it was sort of like, you know, they didn't have any expectations of them to do well or to mm-hmm. do a good job in anything so oh, I don't get that, Nana, I'm much faster at doing it. Or, mm-hmm. oh, well, just have a good time, I don't expect you to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, how demoralizing is yeah. that? I mean, you can imagine if you're a teenager, if everybody around you as a teenager said, look, don't even bother studying because you'll never get a job. Right. You know, you're never going to do well. Um, just give up now because everybody else is much better at you than every- at everything. So, so just don't worry about it. Yes. So
0: what sort of response did you get from the older folks when you approached them? I mean, you were paying attention to them in a way that other folks hadn't.
1: Yes. Uh, Yes. Well, that's right. I mean, so that was in the flash mob phase. And then, yeah, I mean, they thought that there was people in the island that sort of were very suspicious of me Uh (laughs) because, you know, the stranger coming onto the island and Getting all these old people in the back of my van, you know.
0: Right. Bit, well, sure. Of. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there are all kinds of possibilities there.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it. Re- I didn't really get big reactions until I actually decided to form them into a hip hop dance group.
2: Because
1: uh-huh. in the Flash Mob, they were just doing sort of whatever type of dance. Right. I don't know what right. we would call it. Right. Um, and it why hip hop anyway? Well, yeah, I chose hip-hop because it was the last thing that people would expect old people to be doing. You know, there's lots of things where old people are singing modern songs, but that's actually not really interesting. (laughs) It's just not. And then there's old people doing ballroom dancing. It's like, well, we all expect
0: that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw the terrible stigma that old people were experiencing from society Um, and from their families and everything. So I decided, let's just throw sort of a spanner in the works (laughs) with all of those prejudices. So I decided on hip-hop. You know, there's just no old people that do it. And then also I had to learn (laughs) hip-hop.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) there are now, exactly. Uh, So, yeah, and then I had to uh, learn how to dance. I had no idea how to dance. It was dreadful. So I got some books out in the library, and that was no use. And then I got onto YouTube, and so I learned how to do some hip-hop moves through YouTube uh-huh. and then choreographed some dance routines and stuff.
2: Uh-huh. And then
1: I gathered up the people and said, right, I'm going to make you a hip-hop dance group, that's what you are now, and the goal is in about eight months' time, you're going to go onto the other side of the world and perform at the Hip-Hop World Championships. Now, I had some that just walked out, (laughs)
0: which you'd expect. Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, it's a throwdown, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, it was, exactly. And then others just going, oh, you know, I mean, this is just... But then there was others that were curious. Sure. And they'd got to know me over the, the last sort of four or five months, and they knew that I believed passionately in their potential. And so about 40 of them sort of hung around, and that's when I got sort of bad reactions from people in the community because they felt that I was setting up these old people for failure, you know, at this stage in their life. Interesting. And, um, and I, was, I was worried about that myself, like, you know, do I give them an incentive to live, you know, at this point in their life or mm-hmm. just like, do, you know, just leave them alone, let them just carry on getting depressed and die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is, they were so alive I wasn't charging, of course, anything for it. Uh, Uh And I was picking up a lot of them, you know, taking them there and back to rehearsals. They didn't really have anything to lose. and There are only so many bingo games
0: you can play too, right? yeah that's right or or whatever they play over there in New Zealand (laughs) yeah I don't
1: I don't know what do we play uh, well I don't know I don't know you haven't reached the
0: stage yet where you need to really concern yourself with that I suppose I mean you know you're 47 so but where did you where did you where were you practicing (laughs) initially
1: we Mm -hmm. we yeah I hired a community hall and I was covering that cost myself but then I thought well I you know I, I hadn't didn't have any money and the demands from them became so huge that I had to stop working altogether and just mm. live off selling possessions and things, so I asked them all to pay a dollar towards it, and I lost a few over that <laughs> so uh-huh. but that was good because obviously they weren't really that into it. so I did have people that were you know in the community that were thinking, "Well, we'll just wait and see and and they didn't have much support, and I felt really sad that they didn't have the support that I would have hoped they got. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd take a punt and um, I'd take my group down to sort of pretty much the most sort of impoverished area of New Zealand, Mm -hmm. high crime rate, basically sort of considered like the Bronx of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. took them down there and hooked up with all these street dancers, these young kids, mm. in this big garage. Were, Sorry, what's the um, word? Like a tin shed, like a oh, garage. Okay. You, you I know? got it.
0: Mm-hmm. Like a garage, yeah. like a big warehouse.
1: And so I introduced my group to these kids, mm. and I was really nervous about whether they would make fun of them. And my, my dance group did their first public performance in front of these kids, who were all hip-hop dancers themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I was so scared that they may make fun of them and ridicule them, but they didn't. They were... So supportive, and they clapped and they cheered and they cried wow. and ever since then, you know that was nearly four years ago uh mm-hmm. we've been as tight as anything, and mm. they have been the most amazing kids, and it showed my older people just how open minded young people can be and how valuable that is mm-hmm. because some of them were the attitude of the young people these days da 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 right, and then they realized well the kindness and the openness you know of these younger people are incredible Mm -hmm. and that that value is much higher than the judgmental views of their own peers Mm -hmm. and these young people got a huge amount of respect from my group Mm -hmm. a lot of them had never been shown respect from an adult Uh and my group were asking them for advice and saying you know how do you do this move and how do you do that move and how do you calm your nerves before a performance and they became my dancers' mentors. And mm-hmm. there was sort of, you know, up to 80 years <laughs> uh, or even more, you know, age difference. Wow. So, yeah, we became very tight. And, and these kids actually ended up by making it to the World Champs. So we were in Las Vegas together. Oh, wow. Uh, which was an incredible experience. <laughs> That's
0: really awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, and uh, they're all young adults uh, right. now. And we're very close still.
0: So I know that the Academy, you have a mission statement. Can you talk about the mission of the Academy and um, what expectations you think people have about aging?
1: Yeah, I mean, our mission is pretty much to, you know, maximize the potential of senior citizens all over the world. And in terms of our hip operation crew, our mission in that is to reduce the stigma of aging through entertainment because we are actively challenging misperceptions and prejudices of older people but in a way that's digestible because as you know when you're trying to get social change occurring some people who are aggressive and angry and write letters to the editor or whatever people just switch off Uh so it's got to be positive Uh and that way you can really engage in people And we've had so much feedback that people are starting to change their prejudices of older people. And to understand that it's just your skin that's getting wrinkly. There's nothing else going on there. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still young. I had people also that were like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if they don't get the world champs as long as they get out of the house and get some exercise. And you know, we were going for a really big goal, and nobody would say that to an athlete who wants to aim for the Olympics. No, you wouldn't yeah. say, look, it doesn't matter if you don't get a medal or don't do well, as long as you get out of the house and get some exercise. <laughs> right, it's right. Just, it's, So <laughs> I was so surprised at that. We're really not about that exercise. What we are about is that social stimulation. Mm-hmm. And sure, we, you know, you get exercise by doing it. But it's certainly not our thing. We're not running an exercise class at all. We're going for gold, you know. And, and my group, they won their division at the Auckland Hip Hop Regional Championships in February this year and got scores higher than, than lots of young people up to 88 years younger. And that's what we're about. My group, I got, to, you know, 27 went to Las Vegas, performed at the World Champs. Mm-hmm. And then I, I noticed that, you know, there were some that sort of. You know, it was just a social thing, which is great. But there was a lot of complaints I had to deal with they're just a group of people so it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter whether you're young or old you Mm -hmm. have a group of people together for four years you're going to get some people who just moan no matter what you do Uh, and that's any age group you know Mm -hmm. you get that with a group of five year olds or thirty year olds but I had some that were so keen to just go ahead and they weren't necessarily all the youngest dancers so my dance group now that I focus on is is age 72 to 96 years old and they're incredibly committed and very passionate and that's what I put my energy into because they want to prove a point and they want to inspire senior citizens to know you know what they can achieve mm-hmm.
0: at
2: a later
1: stage in their lives.
0: Mm-hmm. You said 72 uh-huh. to 96. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah the average age is 80 which okay. you know it's that's it's young in our, in our right. world. So when my group came back from Las Vegas and I, you know I had one of them say to me look I, I didn't realize I could achieve stuff like this you mm. know that's just crazy at this stage in my life and I said, well, there's so much more you can achieve. You know, what have you ever wanted to do? And she said, oh, I've always wanted to go backpacking. I was like, well, you should. You're only 94. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when she got back home six weeks later, she was off backpacking on her own in Asia. So what? Wow. She was 94. And the nice thing is, you know, she, you know, her memory's not that great, but people do take care of her. Yeah. And. My group all had a pact, if anyone died dancing, you know, you just step over them and carry on. Wow. wow. Yeah, well, and what a a way to go, right? Sure, why Um, not? Absolutely. And so they performed in Las Vegas in 2013, and so that was, what, three years ago. Nobody that's ever been in my group has died. Mm -hmm. They're all alive and fit and well. The doctors say they're about 15 years younger than their peers. Because we're on an island, we've got one supermarket, so everybody got, buys their food from the same thing. All our rainwater is the same, of course. So you can compare apples with apples very easily. And there's been quite a few studies, medical studies, and the BBC came and did a program interviewing the doctors of oh, my group. Okay. Um, and yeah, there was a, they said they're about 15 years younger. And it's really because they have expectations of them. When I'm teaching them, they can't pull the age card. They've all got medical conditions. All of them have got arthritis. One's blind. One's mm. deaf. This is just in the, in the, just in the seven. There's, yeah, One's blind. One's deaf. One uses a mobility aid. Three wear hearing aids. Aren't deaf, but wear hearing aids. Um, mm-hmm. Two have had open heart surgery. There's about eight hip and knee replacements. Uh one just had a heart attack about three weeks ago another one's had a bad stroke and this is just in the season right right who who who, you know it doesn't make any difference and they're all in japan right now they're performing in japan in tokyo um and they're doing back-to-back tv shows and interviews
0: oh my Um, gosh do they have a tour manager how come how come you're not with them uh,
1: Yeah, I I wanted to go, but it was an all-expenses-paid thing where everybody, you know, got Mm -hmm. paid to go. But Mm -hmm. there was only five tickets, and Mm -hmm. they wanted four dancers and me. But, you know, I'm young. I've got more years on me. Mm. So I wanted five of them to go. It's obviously really hard because they're having, like, amazing time, and I can't share in it. But it's really great that they get that experience, that they can travel on their own. They don't need me. They can do these things on their own. They can... Yeah, they they're can your little the whole birds world. that
0: you're sending off into the world.
1: <laughs> I know, I it's, miss them so much. I bet you do. Oh, well,
0: they've become your family, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they're my family, and it was really scary seeing them sort of fly off, knowing that everybody I love in the world is on that one plane. Oh, I can yeah, imagine. I
0: well, you talked earlier about some of the demands that were being placed on you. What sort of things did you have to do that were not training related, dance related? Yeah,
1: well, it was like everything. It was I, I, That's what I wasn't prepared for when I, open, I sort of said to them, look, I believe in you and I'm here for you and I'm committed to your personal growth and you achieving an extraordinary goal. I'm going to do everything in my power to help you achieve that and to build your self-esteem and to help you grow. They grabbed onto it with both hands and I didn't know what had hit me. I remember telling them, please do not call me after 11 at night. I soon became the granddaughter, the tradesperson at their house, the nurse, the carer. I would look after some of them when they were sick, you know, so I'd be around there. Um, one of them in particular, the oldest one, um, I became very close with, and I would always nurse her when she was sick and make all her meals and go over there every day and massage her back so that she could clear her chest. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, cut their toenails and how cut their earth,
0: hair. How on earth did you maintain your own energy level with all the work you were doing, not just uh, choreographing all the dance routines? but
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the dancing was really easy. I'll it bet. was so difficult. Yeah, I um, I got really sick. Well, I got pneumonia twice. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to be going into hospital, but thankfully they could put me on a drip at the local doctors and so that that would allow me to work from my bed (laughs) because I was trying to raise all this money to get them over to Las Vegas, you Mm see. And then, you know, I'm always doing all the fundraising for that and getting their uniforms and everything. I mean, so that they don't have to pay anything themselves Mm -hmm. because they're all on a pension. So I became everything I would... Go to the houses and clean and either right, accompany them to the doctors. This was more the older older ones mm-hmm. um the younger ones they were perfectly capable when I'm talking about younger, I'm talking about eighty five and under
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it's all you know, just the babies right yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah, the babies in the group so yeah, and then, you know, I did have family members that were angry, you know, I had one saying, you're keeping my mother alive, you know, just oh let my her gosh. die.
0: <gasps> you're kidding. Yeah.
1: Wow. No, I mean, that's a reality. There, unfortunately, are some pretty awful kids out there. I mean, the the people's kids in my group, of course, they're in their 60s. They don't want to care for their parent. Well, some of them don't, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were more alive, you know, when you went to the house, they didn't pull out their photo albums and talk about the best times were behind them. They mm-hmm. were talking about what they were doing next. You know, what yeah. the big goals were. Some of the kids of my dancers, you know, as I said are, you know, fifties, sixties. They only saw their parent as a parent mm-hmm. and so they were not supportive. They were embarrassed that their parent was going out and doing something that they found fulfilling but it had nothing to do with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, this is my mum, this is my dad. What they're doing, it's nothing about me, and how dare they? <laughs> and, wow. uh, and I'm not supporting them, it's embarrassing. They're just making a fool of themselves, and I won't have anything to do with it, and so I still have family members that are like that. And that's because they never saw their parent as a whole person that mm-hmm. had aspirations outside of their children. And then I had the ones where if they had a really great relationship with their child and their child knew and saw them as a whole person that had dreams, had things that they wanted to fulfill, they were really excited for their parent and loved it and appreciated some of the work I was doing. I'm sure for, they adored you. Me. I mean,
0: uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure there were. Well, pe- I mean, I know there were people who resented you, probably, but
1: yeah, I mean, it's yeah, there were. I mean, there were some that were uh, really appreciative, and then there's obviously some that you know were a bit jealous of me because mm-hmm. I was forming a sort of <laughs> <Right>. daughter type relationship <laughs> right. with them,
2: right.
1: and I was doing everything right, you know, and it's, uh-huh. it was really unfair for them because I'm still a stranger and I'm just doing a small part of their life for them. Yeah, so I had to stop a full-time job. I ha- ended up by having to put out a weekly newspaper just for my group to reduce the number of phone calls and questions I had about everything and imaginable so that they were kept well informed. And a lot of them, of course, don't have email, So uh-huh. I'd have to go and drive around and put big print notices on their fridge with a wow. magnet or mm-hmm. drop it off. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is incredibly labor-intensive. Right. But I was watching them grow, you know, and I Mm -hmm. have one member in my dance group, she was pretty much the doormat, you know, with her husband. And I had quite a lot of, especially women who were from that generation where the man was the man of the household Mm -hmm. and the woman was the housewife. And if people came around for dinner, they really only had discussions with the husband while the woman, you know, cleared the plate. But now, you know,
0: they're these famous <laughs> hip hop dancers. You've liberated these no women.
1: <laughs> exactly, they were like, "I am not putting up with this anymore." Wow. And people come around for dinner; they don't want to talk to the husband; they want to talk to this hip hop.
0: They're more, interesting. you know, hip hop
1: star. <laughs> yeah, exactly, they're more interesting. So it's the man that clears the pipes and stuck in the kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> and the woman's off travelling and doing gigs. And <laughs> wow, how surprised yeah.
0: were you by some of the reactions of the kids? and the reaction of your charges. How surprised were you by all this?
1: Yeah, I was really surprised. I thought that older people would be really supportive of them, and they are, like, outside of this island. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect the support of the younger people. When they performed in Las Vegas, the uh, venue was like this massive Orleans center, you know, and they said, we had Justin Bieber here a couple of weeks ago, and the crowd wasn't even as crazy as they went, as the crowd was for, you know, your dancers when they came onto the stage. So the kids just love them. And and the community here hasn't been very supportive at all. I haven't been able to get coverage in the local newspaper. uh, Only if I write the article myself and provide Mm -hmm. the photos. Like, we have never been interviewed
0: by our own
1: No. And we've been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and we've been on China and TV. I mean, every place in the world. But they think that we're giving the island a bad name because they think that we're bringing American hip hop culture to this island that should be known for its successful eradication program. So it's um, yeah, it's that has been really shocking. And on our island, we have the biggest disparity of income in New Zealand, we have people that are poor and living under tarpaulins and canopies in the bush.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we have the richest people in New Zealand that live in, you know, up on the hill mm-hmm. in their mansions. You know, Lady Gaga stays here and Miley oh. Cyrus. On Waiheke uh, and Island. In by helicopter on
0: Waiheke Island. On Waiheke Island.
1: Yeah, so we have the richest people in New Zealand here. But we did a fundraiser and a dance thing and we only got $70. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh! And
1: yeah, and then we've got like one of the richest people in New Zealand. We went to him to help us, and he just offered us a bag of sausages, and they weren't even cooked. (laughs) (laughs) I think that people like I approached. I've approached every company in the world basically to Mm -hmm. sponsor us. Have you had success so far? We haven't. No, none. No, we haven't been able to even get a a sock sponsored. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I it's wonder so if it's weird. just because they feel elderly folks are a bad bet. I mean, they're not long-term customers. Yeah. They're not future customers, which is a really, really sad commentary. It's I mean, so
1: sad. It's, it's I a think business decision. I, that I get that. Reason. But
0: there has yeah, to be a I, discretionary fund somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think I they're think making, you know, I think they're overlooking a big thing because I think – they are exactly what you're saying. Like they're thinking that they don't want to sponsor somebody who's going to die. Mm. But, um, Think what of their, the inspiration, though. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They should be sponsoring the message, right. not the person that's wearing the uniform, right? because we're global. Mm-hmm. So I've set up a hip-hop dance academy in every country in the world um, just very recently, so I'm currently looking for people to train they do an online course Mm -hmm. they don't have to have any dance experience they just have to be 18 years and over
2: Mm -hmm. they
1: have to have access to a computer because it's online and they get taught how to teach people with dementia hip-hop how to Mm -hmm. do what I did basically and to Mm -hmm. teach a really successful group of older people hip-hop and then I'm having the hip operation crew world championships next year so that people age 55 and over can all come together from all over the world and have a competition.
0: And where is that Um, taking place? uh,
1: I haven't revealed the location yet, but it will be somewhere in the middle of the world where all the (laughs) dancers are. So I'm just going through the stage of of getting people trained up in different countries at the moment. Um, Yeah, so it's a 30-day course. They can do it any time they like. And a lot of people have said, well, how do I teach the members of my dance group with dementia? Because there are lots of them with dementia. And uh, what I do is I focus on their muscle memory because the muscle can form a memory you know, much stronger than the brain does. Mm. The muscle, unless you're in the very late stages of dementia, very late stages of Alzheimer's, if you want your knee to move when you ask it to, then you've got muscle memory. And that muscle memory is about 15 years old. That's all it is. It's not mm-hmm. as old as your brain at all or mm-hmm. your organs. So I just go through repetition so that I might get a dancer to do, you know, a one second move, maybe 200 times, not all in a row, but maybe 20 repetitions at a time over months. And so when they hear that cues, their muscle just does it. Uh Their brain can deteriorate if it wants. And a lot of them, of course, have. But it has made any difference to their dancing. And I had a lot of people who were like, oh. I should really audition my dancers because of course you only had to be 65 and over and I was like I don't care if you're in a wheelchair or you can't move your legs or Mm -hmm. you can't move your arms or you're blind or you're deaf or you've got advanced dementia you can still be a world famous hip-hop dancer (laughs) and so you know and I did have some times where I thought okay is this crazy like And then I would think maybe I can't get them there, you know, maybe I can't get them up to scratch. And Mm -hmm. then I would think, no, I cannot allow doubt to enter my brain at any point, even at three in the morning where you you go over the day and you go over what you're trying to achieve and it can seem very hard. Mm -hmm. I couldn't allow Mm -hmm. myself to not visualize them being there because, as you know, like doubt is like a virus. Oh, yeah. And if you give it one second, right, of attention, Mm -hmm. it's gone. And they would smell it. They would detect it. You know, I couldn't allow that to happen. So they, it was all, when you get to Las Vegas, this is what you're doing. And I would get them thinking about even the food that they were eating there. I'd mm. get them thinking about the seat on the plane that they were going to be in. You know, all of those mm-hmm. things that made it very mm-hmm. real so that it became a fact. Right. It wasn't if we can get there. Right. It's it was when. You get
0: there. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very clever. So how did the trip go, the actual trip? Tell us. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that if you can.
2: <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Well, before we even got there, you know, I had my hands full, I can tell you that. Because of course it was just me. There wasn't any supporters or people willing to come to help out. So I had twenty seven of them coming from this island to Las Vegas and all its bells and whistles. Oh
0: my gosh. Uh, was this an expense paid for trip?
1: No, we did well we couldn't get a sponsor or any funder We okay. had that you know, we had that seventy dollars.
0: We uh sold
1: possessions, some -hmm. of them cooked for other people to raise money, some knitted socks. We also did some gigs, and we got a little ad that paid us $12,000, so we shared that money around the people that were especially hard up. So, yeah, and then, of course, we just stayed in a place that was like $25 a night, and Uh we were very lucky to get some cheap airfares. So everybody self-funded. And when we got on the plane, I had one member, you know, I had an oxygen tank for her. Uh, so that went into her, like her nostrils, <laughs> this little tube. Oh, my tube. gosh. But they were all wanting to say, well, we we're going to go out dying, you know, dancing. Right. you know, we're doing, Why uh, not? That was Yeah, why not? And, and so I supported them in that. That was their decision. And we talked about it a lot, of course. So when the drinks trolley came around, she said to me, oh, how, how much is it? And I said, it's free. What a mistake. So she's (laughs) chugging it back. We arrive, they had to clear out everyone off the plane. They got the paramedics on board and they checked her vitals and said, Look, she's just really drunk. She's alive. She's not gonna die. She was ninety four. Oh my gosh. uh, Yeah. First they put her in a wheelchair and strapped her in. So we got her (laughs) got her out onto the terminal. And then um, she was our folks person and we had all these media, you know. Oh my gosh, you had to sober time. her up. Yeah, and she was out to lunch, you know. She was gone. And uh, then she started <laughs> singing happy birthday and things when I don't know whose birthday it was supposed to be. And then I realized, my God, she's got no teeth. Because what had happened when we were uh, about to land, they served breakfast. And so I tried to sober up with lots of scrambled eggs. Well, uh-huh. that just didn't work. Uh-huh. So nine sick bags later... Oh. You know she had emptied herself, and I realized no, her teeth have gone in one of those sick bags <laughs> oh, and no. I told the, the airline, and yeah, I was like, well, she's our spokesperson, she's got no teeth, she's absolutely drunk, and <laughs> one <laughs> of those do? bags
0: has her teeth in them, yeah, oh, well, so they
1: went, and they said, "Oh, there's about two hundred sick bags on this plane, that's what we collect in a in a flight of this long because it's wow you know, that's it's a twelve like hour flight, yeah, so Anyway, they went through them, they were so nice, and they found her teeth and they gave them a rinse and shoved them back in her mouth and um <laughs> yeah, and then when we wow. got to the hotel, like I had to carry her in right like a like a fireman type of hole, <laughs> right. and showered her down and washed her down i mean I had no, I mean, there's quite a few with incontinence pads that I had to change over the time, so it wasn't a big oh deal for gosh. that. It was just part of the job.
0: Wow, you're just you're so battle hardened. Just listening <laughs> to you, this is like nothing <laughs> for you.
1: <laughs> no, certainly nothing. Uh, I know, because wow. so many people think. You know, I'm glad you're asking this because most people just think, "Well, I just turned up, taught them for an hour, and left." Oh and no, was, I've been um, a
0: caregiver for an 87 year old mother for the last six years, so and that's just one well, person. So yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So you, you I know, you know how intimate you have to get. Yeah, uh, you wore um, a lot of hats. So wow. exactly. So when I got her to the hotel, like the next day, she was a little bit better, and I said, "Look, stay in the room. Here's the remote control. I'm gonna." go off i've got to follow up on the others and see how they're going and um I'll be back in a couple of hours anyway. I came back and uh she she announced that she thought American television was disgusting, <laughs> and how they wa- allow their children to watch television in America she doesn't understand I was like well what what do you mean what are you talking about She said she turned on the TV and it asked her a series of questions and she asked her if she was twenty one and over and she oh, said no. yes and if she's an adult and she said yes. Oh
2: no.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, she told me what came up on the screen. Now for <laughs> someone who says she was horrified at what she saw on the screen, she she knew a lot of detail. Of it.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, and she said to me, I had no idea they made babies like that.
2: Oh my god. Because of
1: course for her generation it was all procreation. It it there oh right. wasn't sort of oh anything right. Right, you know, right. untoward. Pleasurable. I got the bill, of course, because I had to pay for her. <laughs> she she was expensive because I got there was a bill for two. She had watched two. Oh. My so gosh. first oh. one I can admit is an accident, but second one. <laughs> <laughs> so that was day one, you know. And and,
0: and there yeah. was a film crew following you around. I'm imagining that you yeah. cut, cut them off at certain places. How did, how did they, no, they react to it? No, they filmed all of this oh, stuff. Oh, my god. No, gosh.
1: they filmed all of this stuff. They filmed her watching this as well. Oh, my god. Yeah, but it was a family movie.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> you have the so outtakes, I hope.
1: No, we didn't even get a copy of that.
0: Of the documentary? Of
1: that film. No. We were supposed to get, you know, like a donation to our charity Uh and I was supposed to be refunded for the costs I had to outlay, like transporting them around and Mm -hmm. meals and Mm -hmm. accommodation. Um, No, they got what they wanted in the can. They've made their money. We never even got a copy of the DVD. In fact, when we were at the premiere for it in New Zealand, the producer said to me that she didn't think that the group should be drinking the wine that was for the guests and not us.
2: Wow.
1: It's, it's so sad. And it's won all these awards, but they've never told us that. We've just found that out ourselves through doing searches on the Internet. Wow. And it's so funny because they won like a second in the Human Rights Documentary Awards, mm-hmm. which is like, you didn't even give us a cup of tea. You know, we had you for nine months.
2: We wow. couldn't even get
1: a DVD, which cost them $4. So unfortunately, it doesn't matter what you do when you're an older person, you're going to be exploited by people who are going to try and exploit you and it's so sad that it happened to us when we're trying to avoid that happening to other people mm-hmm. we're trying to and, and like our dance moves they're all very gangster and tough. Mm -hmm. And I and I do that deliberately because in hip-hop dancing, it's got lots of different types of hip-hop dancing within that category. And some are, you know, happy and funky and jolly and and, and some are very tough. And so our style of hip-hop dancing is very gangster, very tough. There's lots of gnashing of teeth and fierce faces Mm -hmm. and punches and fists and elbows. And I do that to show the public that even if you consider someone old, don't consider them as frail. Even if their body's not working completely, Uh it doesn't make them frail and it doesn't make them vulnerable. They're very strong because of the years that they've been through, Uh the mental hurdles they've got through in life. So I make sure that every dance move we choreograph, or I choreograph and teach them, shows their power and their strength. So there's no lavender and lace. It's very aggressive, and it's like the hacker. If you've seen the hacker, so it's so we we follow that type of strength. Wow. Yeah. So it's so sad when we're trying to show that, and we were sort of right under, you know,
2: we're also the victims
1: of exploitation. But Mm. so we don't promote that documentary anymore, just because it's very been very very hurtful because we allowed those people into our lives, Mm. but. Look, uh, so a lot of people saying, don't yeah. like to hear it, but it is the truth. Yeah. Um, so we can't pretend just because we're doing something that people applaud that we're not victims of these things ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are. But right. what we've yeah. decided as a group is do we do lots of complaining about it and do we write letters to the editor or how do we address this? And we've decided life's so short and life isn't fair as we all know. So how do you want to spend your later years? Do you want to be spending them chasing some people who treated you badly, or do you just want to get on and and get dancing and and have fun? And that's Uh what we're doing. Uh That's what we're doing. Uh Um, So I think that's a good message for people to know that really life is so short. Think carefully about how you want to use it and how much does it really benefit you.
2: Uh So,
1: um, when i set up the dance group i knew that there'll be people that would doubt them so i gave each member uh, of my dance group a, a red notebook and i said to them like right now that people know that our goal is to get to las vegas and to perform at the world hip hop championships you're going to have people that will doubt you and will put you down what i want you to do is i want you to write their names and addresses in this little red book And that when we get to Las Vegas, you're going to send them all a postcard. (laughs) And uh, when we did get to Las Vegas, we had our red books, but we decided, you know, we're not going to go and buy a postcard and get the stamps and that, you know, those people weren't worth it. They weren't worth the time of day. Mm-hmm. Why would we put any more energy into them? So we just ordered another round of margaritas and cleaned our glasses. <laughs> and that's how our attitude is towards all of those.
0: Right on. Billy. you changed the lives of so many otherwise ignored or underserved older people. How has all of this changed you?
1: Oh, uh, It's been an incredible uh, transformation for me. I mean, I went into it thinking I could change them and improve their life. I didn't expect to get... So much out of it myself. I, you know, I obviously wanted to add more meaning to my life by doing it. But uh, what I got is an incredible family, which I didn't expect at all. I mean, these people were perfect strangers, um, yeah. and my crew of seven. I'm so tight. We have Christmases and birthdays together. Um, we have meals together a few times a week. We travel together. We go on holiday. We do everything. And I'm, I'm just um, surrounded now by these courageous, happy, inspiring people who I can call my own family. Like, it's been amazing. So my trauma, you know, from my post-traumatic stress disorder has reduced significantly. I used to have so many nightmares. I used to have sleeping pills. I don't need them anymore. I have more belief in myself Mm -hmm. because they have belief in me. Which is just extraordinary, um, and I've never had that. I've never had people who believed in my potential either. So for me, I've blossomed. Um, I used to be really scared of speaking in public, and now that's what I do as a living. I speak to crowds from twenty-five to three thousand people as a guest speaker at conferences, uh-huh. um, which I never thought I'd do in a million years. But mm-hmm. they—they're like, "Oh, you'll 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 knock it out of the park," and to have that is just priceless for me. So I'm incredibly lucky.
0: Well, you've earned it. How has it changed your views about aging, if at all?
1: Oh, huge. I mean, it's, it's definitely made me think about, about how I want to live my life. And the things that I've learned through this process, there's a few key things. One is that I n- make sure that when I'm an older person, I'm, I'm going to do new things that I've never done before in my life a lot of older people will take up a hobby that they did when they were younger to sort of get that happy feeling back again Mm -hmm. but that can be a double-edged sword because often you're not as good as it when you're older than you were when you're young so they become acutely aware that they're less than their old self that is really demoralizing so by doing something completely new you just get better and better every week so that mentally is so important that you feel that about yourself that you're growing and learning and becoming better at stuff not doing stuff that you were no longer good at when Uh you were better so that's Uh crucial uh the other thing is that when you're doing something new and you're meeting new people you use every part of your brain and so doctors have said that one of the most important mental aerobic exercises you can do is to meet new people and to learn something you've never done before so that's important if you can do something with music that's another really big thing and i'm going to go for for my life choice is going to be about fulfillment not about longevity And it's a decision each of us need to make individually. Do we want to just live a long time and do what the doctors say, which is pretty much just limit your activities to something very sedate, eat the prescribed diet they give you, Uh move into a place where you won't fall over? Do you want to spend the last third of your life living like that? Or do you want to be like my group, which is living it up and taking big risks going off when you're 94 and you've got a bit of dementia going off and backpacking (laughs) Mm -hmm. and ready to fall where you fall uh, for me personally that is the type of life i want to live and so that's what i'm going to go for and obviously we can't all be in control you know if we get a a disease or a mental disease or anything like that or condition that limits our decision-making abilities or our freedom work hard to look at what you can do like I will never, ever say to my dancers, you can't do this or you're going to find this too hard. Um, I just talk about what you can do. So
2: mm-hmm. if I
1: have someone who comes in they and they're can't, they in a wheelchair and they've got a bit of dementia, I'm, I'm just going to say, right, you move your arms. That's what they can do.
0: So what's and, next for and you in the dance troupe?
1: So the next thing is that Hollywood have bought the rights to my life story.
0: Hmm. Um, wow, that's terrific.
1: so they're a top Hollywood film production company and what they're aiming to do is to do a film you know based on my life story with a with a big emphasis on my you know my dance group and Uh and the journey that we've had and so there'll be you know some factual things in there and there'll be fictitious things in there as well it'll be up to them and you know they have full freedom of how they want to do things so Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll just, you know, watch the space, and um, wow, I'm looking. Wow, that's forward so to, exciting to that. Well, it sort of actually doesn't feel real. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, um, they'll they'll put their creative geniuses to the task, mm-hmm. and and see, you know, whatever they create, we'll be delighted with, and um, and we'll be supporting. And they have treated us so nicely, and so I'm so delighted because. They just what a breath of fresh air, and just such lovely people and and so it's just a real privilege to to have the caliber of the people that are going to share some of my story and my group story um bring you know bring it to the rest of the world. Apart from that, our goal is pretty much world domination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just a small goal. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> I would like to see senior citizens all over the world living to their fullest potential right until they take their very last breath. So, you know, I want my dance academy to be successful in every country in the world, to give senior citizens that opportunity to have this extraordinary experience. And there's a big part of it is togetherness. Every dance has to dance at the same time to the same rhythm and they have their own spot and their own part. So if they can't make it that day, you know, everybody's at a loss. It doesn't work. So That's been psychologically fantastic. They're needed. Yeah. The other great thing about dealing with the the group dynamics is that, you know, there's a 30 year age gap, you know, between my dancers. And so they come from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, they have is their um recovery time, you know, they still get injuries. I haven't had anyone get an injury while they've been dancing actually. Mm-hmm. It's been when they're doing other things. Right. And that just happens, you know, but their recovery time is extraordinary. They like one of them she broke her pelvis but she was back dancing six weeks later. Wow. Um yeah, as I said, another one had a heart attack a few weeks ago. She's currently dancing in Japan. Another one had a stroke and he checked himself out the next day. Out of hospital, they want to recover to get back into it because mm-hmm. they don't want to. They don't want to miss out. You know, it's a bad case of FOMO. You know, fear right. of missing out.
0: Right, <laughs> uh,
1: and that's a great cure. It's a great motivator, huh? It's a huge motivator, an incentive to heal. Um, follow the doctor's instructions and and go for it. Mm. And so, yeah, that, that's been another surprising hmm, thing that's come out of it.
0: Is this the best no, time of uh, your life? It sounds like it's terrific.
1: <laughs> yeah, my dance groups say this is the happiest time of their entire life. Uh-huh. They are liberated. They can do what they like. They can assert themselves in ways that they couldn't do if they had to worry about an employer. And they, you know, their children have left home. They don't have to answer to anyone. And so they have medical problems which they can manage. And they're in an environment with me where I'll make sure that they can be part of everything as long as you know as long as they've got a pulse they're okay and that's all I ask them to have that's the only criteria in the group well there's two criteria you've got to be 65 and over and you have to have a pulse If you have those two things, you're a life member.
0: Um, You're a life member. I actually asked if it was the best time of your life. Is it the best time of your life? Oh, my life? Yes. My
1: life. Well, yeah, gosh, yes, it is. Definitely. Uh, You know, I'm surrounded by these amazing people, and it's so much fun, and I feel really connected with the world. I felt so isolated and sort of stranger to the world, really. Mm. I couldn't trust anyone mm. because of my abusive childhood you know and i saw a lot of the dark side of life now i just go towards the happy side of life and to me every day is just about great company and laughing and doing something that may be absurd but heck you know mm. <laughs> you only live once so it's it's fantastic I'm 47 and I, you know, a lot of people go, oh no, I'm over 40 and they dread their birthdays, but I feel so young, you know, I'm less than half the age of my friends, so I've got a great, exciting future ahead of me and I, I never thought I had a future at all.
0: Billy Jordan, she's the founder of the Hip Operation Dance Academy and she's changing the way the world views aging, literally one step at a time. Be sure to check out the AgeWise website for all kinds of links to Billy's terrific work. Billy, thanks so much for being on the show. It was an- truly an honor to chat with you and uh, I wish you all the best, keep up the great work.
1: Thank you so much the work uh, that you're doing and stories that you're sharing with everyone are fantastic, they're great nourishment for everyone that's looking after someone who, who's older or have older people in their lives uh, yeah, well, thanks. we're a special group of people and your work is incredible and well done to you.
0: Oh thanks so much Thank you, take care. Oh you too bye bye. See you. bye Bye-bye. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another new episode. In the meantime, if you don't want to miss any episodes, head on over to the AgeWise website. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z.com and subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of great interviews and links to information you can use. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, Jana Panaritis. So if you'd like to be on the show or just tell us what you think about it, send an email to Jana at AgeWise Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours. Banana! Oh, God!